This is Josh Mills. And this is Sean Mills. Welcome back to another episode of Acquired Tastings. We are very happy to have you all again here with us for a beer episode. Dad's favorite. So, Dad, what are we doing this week for our beers? We're doing Japanese beers, Josh. Yeah, Japanese beers. What's your beer this week, and then what is your pairing? I'm doing Sapporo Premium, and I really didn't know they had other beers, but I'll talk about that later. Different styles. And for my pairings, I have a spicy tuna roll, that's sushi, a pork belly ramen noodles, and pork belly steamed buns. What about you, Josh? My beer today is the Ashai Dry. Um, it is a very dry, a dry style of beer. Um, I actually really enjoyed it when I tried it earlier. And then my pairings this week, I have kind of an Asian chicken over rice. I have some carnitas tacos with crispy leeks. And then I have chocolate peanut butter mochi. Oh, man. Sounded good. Yeah, it's going to be a good. We're going to have to eat those first, aren't they, Mountain? Well, they're, I've got those in the freezer. Oh, okay. So, good. All right. Well, cheers. Cheers, Dad. So what are we, uh, before we get into it, we got to talk about something else, don't we? Yeah, there was a wine last week. Yep. I blind, blinded you on a red wine. After South of the Equator Whites, Dad just had to have a red. Well, that's right. So, what did you think it was? Uh, I called it a, that's South of the Equator wine. I called it a Malbec from Argentina. So, that's New World. Correct. It's a red. It's south of the border. It's Mendoza. Okay, which is a sub-reason of Argentina. And it's a Malbec. Yay, you All got right. a 100% correct. Finally finally hit one. Nailed it. I think you've actually blinded me on that wine before. You know, I might just keep doing that till you get it right. <laughs> well, I did just get it right. <laughs> you got that one right. <laughs> oh, goodness. So... But okay, so so that was it, and we're gonna go ahead and head into our beers this week. Dad, why don't you go ahead and remind everybody what your beer is, and then what the pairings are. All right, it's the Sapporo Premium. I have a spicy tuna roll, sushi. I have pork belly ramen noodles, and I have a pork steamed bun. So. Those will all go together, I'm pretty sure. And I'll tell you tell you one reason I think it will. First time I ever, ever tasted Sapporo, I was sitting at a sushi bar. And this one kind of, I think it was in Kansas City, but I'm not really sure where it was. But they had these little sushi boats. You sit at the bar and they had this water and they were, pumping the water, making the little sushi boat go by. And you go, oh, I'm hungry. And you grab one. And I had the Sapporo. And I kept grabbing them. And every every one of those sushis that I took tasted well, the Sapporo. Oh, wow. That's pretty cool. So the, the beers weren't in the float. It was like oh, no, no. plates of no. sushi. And it just so happens that I did order Sapporo. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I could have ordered your beer. And they had others, too. But that's what I got. Okay. And I think I think uh, this one that I have is the 22-ounce steel. Yeah. 
can. Yep. And the way they do that is they take a piece of sheet steel and they just start forming it by bending it. It's very unique. It's not a can like like normal. Yeah, it's not even a though they can. do make cans and they do make the bottles for Sapporo. Mm-hmm. This is that can and it's got that distinct. I didn't even count how many folds it is. Must be. It's a lot. Yeah, 12, 13. Oh, no, it's definitely more than that. Because there are larger ones and then there are smaller yeah, ones. Yeah, that's true. And I was just reading earlier that Grand Cayman is helping them do that. So that's oh, quite cool. interesting. That is cool. So, a little fun fact here. Sapporo is the oldest brand of beer in Japan. Oh, really? How, how far does it go back? 1876. Wow. And the man that started it, and there's no way I can pronounce his name, Sevia Nakagura is the best I'm going to do. Okay. He was German trained. He illegally left his, his country, his house as a boy, ended up in Germany, and learned how to make beer. Wow. That's, that's cool. a fantastic Fun fact: He left. He left when he was seventeen, and that was the time when you strictly could not. That was forbidden. Mm-hmm. So anyway, his travel ended up in Germany, and I'm glad it did. Right? Yeah. I wonder if he was headed there to. And I don't think he wait 1800s. I don't think he was trying to get away from any wars or anything. Uh, what it says is fueled by an adventurous spirit. Ah, back so, in no, the- I don't. He didn't make. Well, maybe somebody said you're going to be a samurai. <laughs> and he'll know I'm not. <laughs> yeah. So, um, back to the beers. If you notice on the can, it has a gold star as well. And so that's the highest quality ingre- ingredients that you can get, like in a Japanese beer. It smells really clean. I'm going to talk about the beer first just well, a second. Good, good, good. Because I was going to go there too. So now I can sip a little bit. It smells really clean. It's definitely, I would assume, based on this, it's a rice and it's a wheat. It's definitely more of a wheat beer. I would assume it has some rice in it. Just oh, it because does. Of, Absolutely. Just because of the products. But and I'd smell, assume your beer has rice in it. Yeah, it smells. And our old bad boy Budweiser. Yep, does. Does. And so don't get confused that, oh, you don't like Budweiser. I'm not going to try these beers because they have rice in them. <laughs> right. Give them a break. Give yeah, a chance. Exactly. Um, so it smells it smells weedy. It has that kind of baked, cooked bread smell to it. Um, it doesn't smell skunky. It doesn't have any of that funky that sometimes you get from some European wheats, mm-hmm. mass marketed mm-hmm. wheats. And it's really like it's light on the palate. You still get that kind of uh, wheat kind of almost sweetness, almost like it's been almost like bread with honey on it. Mm-hmm. And it's really clis- crisp and clean and very, very, very easy to drink. Mm-hmm. What's the ABV on it? The ABV is 4.9. Okay, so very easy to drink. So it's like it's like that Budweiser thing. And um, the IBUs, I had to search and search and search for that. And I finally found it, and I think it said 18. Yeah, it seems about right. So, yeah, it's really light. So they make a Sapporo premium light beer, smooth, crisp, clean, 
inherited from Sapporo Premium. They make a uh, black beer. They call it Sapporo Black Premium. Every one of them says premium. And I think every one of them has that star on it. So that's kind of a signature that you ought to look for. Right. And then they have the Sapporo Pure, and it's 90 calories. So Okay. And 2.4 carbs. So it's your equivalent to, you know, a Bud Light or a Michelob Ultra or something like that. Yeah. Are they owned by a larger conglomerate now? Yes, they are. Who who owns them? Well, let me get to the right page here. In fact, your beer and Sapporo were owned by the same company. And I'm going to have to hunt that I don't down, think so. Sure. I don't think anymore. Not anymore. No. Yeah. No, it changed it changed in like nineteen fifty nine, I think. I think they they were probably both owned by Excuse me, nineteen forty nine. And they were owned by D A I N I P P O N. Napon. And both breweries were owned by them. And so in sixty four they split. Yeah. So the common ancestry there. And that's why I, I think um, they have a very similar look. Yours might have a little, just a tinge darker than this one. Mm-hmm. So, what have you tried so far? So I started with the ramen. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm gonna pass on the sushi. Not feeling very adventurous today, but um, I try. I started with the ramen. Uh, this is my homemade. Cheaters ramen. Uh, this is not like a an instant. It's not an instant ramen, uh, but it's got some pork belly that's been kind of marinated slash cooked in mm-hmm. uh, in some kind of heavier spices. And but I just started with the noodles and the broth. The broth is really rich, mm-hmm. and you know the Sapporo has a kind of drying effect. It's kind of dry, mm-hmm. so I think it kind of goes well into bringing that kind of refreshing your palate after every bite. Well, I think both these beers are, are dry. I hadn't tried yours lately, but I'm pretty sure it is. Mine is. I mean, it's it, the style of the beer is a dry mm-hmm. beer. Right. So what have you been eating on? Sushi. <laughs> and? Burger. Why? Mm-hmm. Describe it for the people at home. Well, to me, the thing about Sushi is you got that rice on the outer edge. We got rice in this beer. Now, I don't, when I just taste the beer by itself, it's not like I taste rice. Yeah. But I know it's in there. And then this is tuna, which is one of my favorites. And it's a little spicy. And then I love wasabi. Now, there's not really any spiciness to this beer. What you said is very accurate. It's clean. It's crisp. And so it calms down that spicy and it calms down that wasabi and lets you kind of dry out your palate a little bit and say, hmm, hey, there goes that little sushi boat. I'm going to grab that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it is Neutral is not the right word because it does have good flavor, but it it's very middle of the road. It can go a lot of different ways. Mm-hmm. So, you you like the noodles? 
I haven't tried them yet. Yeah, the, it goes well with the pork too. You know, what made, what you said the sauce. Now, how does the sauce and the beer how do they really fit together? The the broth broth it goes really well. There's a little bit of spiciness in the broth, and it's just a real kind of basic chicken broth, like fortified chicken broth that I've I've got. Um, I use better than bouillon starter, and then I add some roasted carrots and roasted onion into it. Let it go for a little while. Add some herbs. Mm-hmm. And I also put some gojujang in there for a little bit of funk and spice. Oh, okay. So it it does kind of take over the beer, but what the beer does to your palate is it really refreshes it. It is able to kind of take the stuff off the, off of your palate and get it ready so you're not like, not, it's not overly spicy. And with the pork... The pork belly in the ramen, the pork belly has so much fat, and the beer does kind of cut through the fat. Now, actually, we're drinking an American beer. On the can, it says imported by La Crosse, Wisconsin. In this article that I'm looking at right this second, it reads all the different places that Sapporo is made, and again, I can't pronounce them. There are all kinds of different places. But what it says is, in North America, it's been brewed at Sleeman Brewery in Ontario, Canada. But then it says, most Sapporo beer sold in the United States is now brewed and, and sent from La Crosse, Wisconsin. Yeah, and I mean, that has, you know... And you, and that doesn't bother me. You know, you could go, well, it's not a Japanese beer. No, yes, it is. What were you going to say? Well, a lot of beer, a lot of large, large, large breweries nowadays don't just brew in one place. Yeah, they can't. They, they don't have the, they don't have the brewing capacity to do it. I mean, we talked about Bud, we talked about Budweiser at the beginning of this. Budweiser has breweries that brew Budweiser, Bud Light, and some of its other things all over the United States, right. and even sometimes out of the United States. Sometimes it has to do with importing laws. Sometimes it just has to do with the freshness of the beer. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's hard to get these lighter, lighter styles of beer to travel really well for a long time. They'll skunk really easily. Right. It's one of the reasons beer is usually... Well, beer is almost always when it's in gl- glass in a dark colored glass because beers can be really finicky. And these lighter, um, I don't mind is is the Sapporo a lager? Mm-hmm. Yeah, these lagers can can really be affected by heat right. because they are, you know, they're cold fermented, heat and light, so they mm-hmm. can skunk and get that kind of funky skunky smell that some beers are known. Especially yeah. some imported beers. Right. What's the one that's in the, the green bottle? Heineken. Heineken and Rolling Rock. Heineken, Rolling Rock, and then there's another one that has the flip cap. But yeah, that that's they're known for that, and that's what they want to be. Right. But when you say skunky, okay, Josh explained it very well. Beers are put in dark glass so that the sun can't the light from the sun 
has more trouble getting through that glass and causing the problem that is skunky. Well, why is it called skunky? I've never had a skunk spray me. Well, I've had skunky beer and you get that skunky smell and you get that skunky, what you would say, skunky taste. Now, I'm sure if you're sprayed, <laughs> the, it, the taste would be so overwhelming. Right. But, yeah, it's bad. Yeah, and it's a lot of, like, it's a earthy, if you, if you, drink, if you drink a lot of IPAs, there's, they talk a lot about an IPA being dank, where it has that, like, really earthy, almost uh, marijuana kind of smell. This is beyond that. This is where it's like, it's um, it's very animalistic, it's very mm-hmm. animally kind of funky smell. But these don't have it because I mean, they take the time and being in a can, which is one of the reasons a lot of breweries have moved to can, mm-hmm. is that you don't have any light problems at that point. Uh, right. Exactly. Now, so, if you were going to make this beer, either one of these. You would start out with your normal, probably normal, lager recipe. Not mine. Okay. (laughs) With this one, you could start out with your lager recipe. But then you would add the Bryce. And I don't... I hadn't brewed beer in so long, I don't remember how we would get the rice, whether it was in a pellet or whether it was... How it came, but probably cracked. It was it probably was, cracked rice. I think that's what it was. Was cracked rice, and then you just add that in there, and you could get that Christmas if if you really had a good. It'd have to be a good lager recipe to fit with that, but that's how you could start and do your experimenting. Right. Now you said not me. What? what we'll, we'll talk about it when we get to mine. Okay. Okay. Now, I tried the noodles, yep, and I tried the broth, and I tried the pork belly, and I love your pork belly, but of those three things, pork belly didn't seem to go with beer as well as maybe the broth or the noodles. It's the fat. Yeah, yeah. The fat, the fat, and that. Crisp, clean, sweetness were kind of fighting each other. Yeah, and that's why, like, so there's a little bit of heat on this. So the pork belly, what I did was Trader Joe's sells already cooked pork belly. So I sliced it up, and I created a little bit of a kind of an in-house marinade. I used some General Tso sauce, some teriyaki, some gojujang. Mm-hmm. Which gojujang is a spicy fermented bean paste, mm-hmm. which is fantastic in Asian foods and mm-hmm. actually in all foods. I use that, and then I use some some citrus citrus herb uh, spice rub, mm-hmm. a little bit of honey, and a little bit of vegetarian oyster sauce. Oh, okay. And that kind of that what, it, and then I vacuum sealed all that together. Okay. Let it sit for about an hour, and then I put it in my in my sous vide for about an hour just to bring it back up to temperature and then I seared it off. Oh, okay. So that's why when you're getting that, there's a lot of flavors going on and that spice comes through. 
Right. But the driving thing about pork belly is fat. Yeah. And so for me, one of the reasons I like this beer with that is because it refreshes my palate. Like they don't work well together. You're right. You know, the, there's a lot of fighting between the beer itself and the the pork belly. Mm-hmm. But the function of the beer on the palate mm-hmm. is really nice because it will kind of like wash off the palate right. and kind of wait and make it ready for another bite. Right. So you've got good food and you've got good, you've got the beer that tastes good, but also cleanses your palate as you're drinking it. I think works is one of the reasons it works really well. And I think that is why it works well with sushi. It works well with sushi because spicy food like sushi likes to have a clean, crisp beer like either one of these. Right. And so you could, if you're a hophead and you want to drink your hops and and chew on that pine tree and eat your sushi, have at it. That's your deal. And the other thing that I was going to say about making your own beer, try to try to make it like this Sapporo in the comment section. It talks about where well, you need to buy Sriracha Ace hops. And I guess the only place you can get those is Japan. Uh, okay. <laughs> I've never heard of it, but that's apparently that's the hop that they use for this Sapporo. They can't be using very very much. Oh, no, no. 18 IBUs. And so it just kind of gives it a light balance. I bet you could use like a a really light kind of citrus, citra hop. You know, maybe. Yeah. Well, and it's whatever you would use. I would like, kind of like you said, it was kind of like whatever you would use in your, in whatever good lager recipe that you have. Okay. If you have not eaten the steam buns, you need to eat these steam buns. You okay. need to eat the steam buns. They are I haven't tried it. super right. good because. Oh, what are you doing? I'm opening a beer. <laughs> no. These have the old school, like, thin, uh, thin mouth opening on them, mm. which yeah. I think is pretty cool. So, so when I opened it, the actual, like, pop tab kind of got stuck underneath the, the small lip, the small hole. You know, I, and it's nice to have the little pop tab, but how funny would it be to have just a flat steel top on it where you have to use the the poppers on it? Now, these steam buns, though, these steam buns are really good. Now, I bought these from our, like, just <laughs> our just local Asian market. I just bought them from Mr. Chen's. And inside, they're not just pork. They're like a red bean, almost like a red bean barbecue sauce porkiness. Not spicy, but mm. a lot of really good flavor. Mm-hmm. And that white pillowiness of the steam bun itself is so good. And that beer works with the, with that lightness of the steam of the pillowiness of the actual steam bun itself and the red bean, like that red bean paste. At least that's what I'm assuming it is. I mean, it's bright red on the inside and it kind of has that taste. So it's not, it's not real spicy. No, it's not. It's not like goju jang in the middle. Oh no, but it's just, 
This is mild, sweet, spicy. Right. Wrapped around the pillow, and then you got that crisp, clean beer that has lots of sweetness to it. Yeah. Because it's not hoppy. It has, Mm. the 18 IBUs means there's, now when I smell it, can you smell, you can't really smell the, the hops. No. And you can't get any bittering from those hops. Mm -hmm. They just. I mean, they're there. They're they're there. Yeah. They're just there for continuity of the beer, I guess. Right. But yeah, that. Well, and so like, if we were to break this down, like if you were blinding it, you know, you get that, like. You get that weedy, the wheat smell. It's going to let you know, hey, this is grain driven. Mm-hmm. You, you know, you look at the color, you know, you're if there is some barley in there, it's not going to be very malted. You're on the light side there. Mm-hmm. And when you taste it, you know, you're not getting any hop flavor. So then you're, then you're thinking to yourself, okay, it's really clean. Yeah. I mean, it's obviously not going to be a pale ale or an IPA. So then you can kind of get get down into that's it i think because it's so clean it would make me think that it's like a lager style beer mm-hmm. like it's not giving me any like banana or anything like that it's going to make me think that it's a like a belgian right a belgian wit or a wheat or anything like that and so it, it really does it kind of guides you in that way to say hey i'm just a light little easy premium drinking lager here this is kind of like I mean, this is going to sound bad because of how much we talk bad about Bud Budweiser, but Budweiser's a standard beer. This is kind of like a, the Japanese Budweiser. It kind of is that nationally recognized, right? Gr- easy drinking, and they're doing a lot of things right. Yeah, they decided to uh, acquire a Canadian brewer, the Sleedman, four hundred million dollar cash. On the table deal. <laughs> so, I mean, not 400 million a year, 400 million. No, cash. <laughs> wow. Oh, to buy the brewery. To buy it. Sorry. I was thinking brewer, not oh, brewery. Okay. <laughs> so, somebody. Like, I'll take away. 400 million, please. So, somebody walked away with some good jack. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I don't think they own them. I might have to Google this. But it says in, in uh, 2017. They uh, announced they were going to acquire Anchorstein. The conglomerate group. Yeah. Maybe know. they do. I don't know. Probably. There's a lot of like conglomerate buying buying now. Right. And there's a lot of there's a lot of Asian conglomerates who are buying things. I mean, we talked about Suntory. Right. Suntory before. And Suntory actually being under the Coca-Cola label. Mm-hmm. So it's just there's just a whole lot of conglomerates now, which is which is why on the show we like to hit a lot of our craft beers. Mm-hmm. We love the independent guys, the independent breweries that are doing great stuff. But there is some great stuff being done by some of these larger conglomerates, and the under you know the labels under the conglomerates do well as well. Yeah, you know, you know, at one point we should maybe we should do an episode. On, like, we have to pick beers that are owned by a conglomerate. You know, because you know, we could pick Goose Island. They're, right. owned, they're owned by Budweiser. You right. know, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of things we could do with that. Well, and 
J- Japan's not that large. No, it is country. not. <laughs> and they've got five breweries hmm. making Sapporo. Oh, five breweries making Sapporo. Yeah. Yeah, and, you know. Then they've I, got the one in Canada, or more than one. There's like, when I'm looking at this, it looks like four maybe. I'm sure they then, have a couple in Europe. And then uh, the the lacrosse one in lacrosse, Wisconsin, one in Vietnam. Some of it could be just, ta- it has to do with tax and importing issues too. Well, it might be. But if you know, so it's a well. Let's put it this way: it's a well-liked beer. Yeah. For them to have that many breweries around the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, it's probably if you go into any sushi bar in the world, except for maybe in Japan, you will. I will. I can almost say you will always find mm-hmm. Sapporo mm-hmm. there because it is. It's kind of synonymous. It's kind of the beer that's synonymous with sushi. Mm-hmm. Which I think it could also be another, you know, as we're getting into these, getting into our, you know, we're almost, well, we're over halfway through our second year of doing this. Mm-hmm. Maybe at one point what we should do is. Yeah, this is 85, a, number 85. Yeah. Maybe at one point what we should do is pick a food mm. and bring a couple pairings to go with that food. Okay. You know, that's a that's another idea we could do moving forward with some of you this. You want to do sushi next week? No. <laughs> <laughs> we can bring in a guest for that one. That's sure. what we, Marie will be in town for that one. Yeah. But well, I think, you like it? I, I do. I You know, I don't drink Sapporo very often. Exactly. It's not one that I go buy very often. That I mean, actually, I don't think I've ever bought Sapporo to take home. I've bought it in restaurants, but I've never. Well, and also when I go to sushi places, like obviously I don't, I don't really care for sushi, but I usually buy sake. Yeah. Okay. Because I do enjoy sake. And I think some of the same things that we're talking about with, with these that we're going to end up talking about with both of these beers. Okay. Are why are kind of this along the same lines of sake. Why sake would work with, Sushi, sushi and Asian style foods. Well, and Sapporo is a city. Okay. It's the largest city north of Tokyo. Oh, really? And so they have what they call the the winter festival. Okay. So it's it's kind of your Japanese German Oktoberfest. I didn't say that right. It's the equivalent. Okay. It's the Japanese equivalent to the Oktoberfest. Interesting. Because they they do it in the wintertime. They make ice, ice sculptures. They drink, obviously, Sapporo. Right. And, huh? Yeah. Said right. And it, it started simply by some guy just doing these ice sculptures, and then drinking Sapporo. <laughs> and that's how it started now. That's a big deal. You know, they do it every year. Right. Well, cool. So, how was the uh, the mind for Best on Plate so far? Oh, well. We're not, we're not talking about it yet. It's just, sometimes you... The you mind, yeah, the mind is suffering because 
You know, I told you the story about the sushi. I Googled what goes with Sapporo. It says sushi. I Googled what goes with Sapporo. It says ramen noodles. I did not get the pork steamed bun, you know, the pillow. But so we've got three great choices, all which have gone very well with with the Sapporo. So it is going to be, again, somewhat of a struggle. You know, I figured walking in here, it was going to be the decision. Because you, you outdid yourself because I was thinking, okay, let's just get that little package of ramen noodles that comes in the plastic, plastic thing. Throw it in the boiling water. Instant ramen. <laughs> well, well, come on, man. I know that's not your style. Come on, you should know. You should know that. I, I know that. I know that. <laughs> but that's where I would have gone, right? Just to make it simple. And part of why I do that is say, "Hey, listeners, you don't have to have this five course meal to go with this beer pairing." Now, if that's don't. what you want to do. If you're going to do a five course meal, then you need at least six beers. Exactly. You need one to walk into. A welcome beer. You need a last one, number seven, to say, uh, here's your Uber. <laughs> right. I mean, I I do, you know, I think when you did the research, one of the things, one of the reasons that Steam Buzz didn't come up is because they're more a Chinese. Mm-hmm. They're more of a Chinese style food. So I know that may be why it didn't come up, but. Well, uh, when, I was, when I was in Thailand, the Thais do Well, them. Yes. But yeah, when I was in one of those five-star hotels, and you go for breakfast, lunch, or dinner, there they are. Yeah, they they're do not them. as big as these, right? They were about, you know, inch or so in diameter. Yeah, and they, I mean, they do. And they're just, they're just right there cooking, steaming in that pot yeah. all day. Yeah, and I mean, steam So maybe, maybe a better way to phrase it is: they're more mainland Asia style exactly. food. Exactly. Well. All right, I'm ec- I'm excited to. Uh, you ready to switch over? Yeah, I'm excited to hear your best on point though when we get to the end. I'm, ve- I'm very curious if you're gonna if you're gonna go the way I think you're gonna go, or if you're gonna you know take away mm. the left field. Okay. All right, so we're gonna switch over to my beer, and my beer is the Ashai, as how I would pronounce it, A S A H I, dry beer, and my pairings are. I have. If you're a Japanese listener, send us an email. Yeah, send us with the phonetics. I'd love, <laughs> yeah, love to know how to say it correctly. Yeah, I may be saying Sapporo wrong. Who right. knows? <laughs> and so my pairings this week are: I've got kind of an Asian style chicken over some brown rice. I have a carnitas taco with crispy leeks. And then I have peanut butter chocolate mochi. Now, for those of you who may not know, mochi is a dessert. It's ice cream that is encased in a kind of a rice dough shell. So that's kind of what we've got. And, you know, I just pulled these out of the freezer so we don't have to go to the mochi first. Oh, okay. Um, they're, they're still very, very cold. All right. Now, remember, we're sharing those four. They're not all for you. Oh, they're over on my side of the table. Because <laughs> yeah, you moved them to your side of the table. <laughs> well. Anyway, I digress. So, uh, my beer, like I've said, is a dry beer. So, this is a particular style of beer, which is done, which is a Japanese style of beer that just has rice and barley in it. 
So that's why I said, no, oh, not mine. Right. So there's there's actually no wheat in this, uh, but there is malted barley, so there's still technically um, gluten if you are worried yeah. about those sorts of things. But this beer is is brewed because of that rice content. It comes out so dry, and it reminds me of good dry white wine. Okay. Um, it is a lager as well. Um, so it's done. It's, a, it's got a slightly darker color. But I'll tell you this: the but carbonation. We poured these. Oh. We poured these thirty so minutes ago. Oh no, we're about forty-five minutes ago. Okay, now. about forty-five minutes ago, and there's still a nice little froth of the head. Yeah, the carbonation on this is insane. It's you know it's still going with power. It is uh, five-two al- on the alcohol content, okay. so it's a little bit. It's a little bit higher than. My mind, it's four nine to five two. Yeah, that's a little bit. It's within the the plus or minus. You range. know the IBUs? No, I don't. I haven't been able to find it. I think it's just when you taste it. Well, it, we've it, had uh, this it's, discussion it's before. Insignificant, and you know, used 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 to get really tough on IBUs, perceived or what or not. A lot of them, it's not in. You know, it's not in their tech sheet. No, because it's it's, it's insignificant not something to the that they beer. care about, especially yeah. when you're down in that eighteen range. Oh yeah, when when your beer is not defined by bitterness, right? IBUs don't matter. Yeah, which is why you rarely ever see them on stouts. So they're really just to give you just a tinge of a little bit of aroma, yeah, or flavor, and not that back end bitter. Yeah, so what would that be? They're going to go in at the beginning of the boil, not toward the end of the boil? Correct. Is that right? Mainly, yeah. No, I can't. Well, I'm just thinking. Yes, yes. Okay. Because your aroma hops go in at the very beginning. You know, yeah, you start with the aroma in the beginning, and you're bittering at the end. Yeah, this beer is really good. It smells really light, really clean. Not a a whole, whole lot on it. You said mine smelled like a little white bread. This, okay. I remember you said it. I said bread. Well, I thought you said white bread. No. <laughs> okay, I thought white bread. Okay. Because I got the same nose. You smell nose. white bread. I got the same nose on it. This one has, and you said no wheat, so this one has a little bit of brown bread smell. Okay. Just a little, little bit of a more earthy smell to that bread. I got you. It reminds me of... Now, it's not Lord God. <laughs> no, it is not. It kind of reminds me of, like, the smell of the kitchen when wild rice is cooking. It's a very particular mm. smell that wild rice has to me when it's cooking. Interesting. It's It, it has that kind of ricey smell, but there's also right. just kind of a an earthiness that kind of goes on with it. It's very, very light, the smell in there. Right. But it's super clean on the palate. Both of them are. Yeah. Like... It's there and it's gone, but my mouth is ready to eat some food. I think the IBUs may be a little higher. Maybe. 20. (laughs) 18 to 20. Yeah. But, you know, not much. Yeah. So a little bit about... Boy, if you were blinding me on this, I would not know. Well, see, that's the thing is like, one of the things about blinding is is you deduce. So you you take things out, you know. Right. It smells so light, so fresh. It's, there's not a whole lot going on. Right. You can take out three quarters of the world beer. Right. <laughs> like, exactly. 
that's why that's why one of the questions I always ask you is, do you think it's hop driven or if it's malt driven? Right. Or if it's uh, grain driven, actually. So because they, yeah, so these are grain driven. These are definitely grain driven, and we can tell by the color on this on both these beers that they're not heavily malted. If there's barley or the barley that's in there, it's not heavily malted. Mm-hmm. So we we take out you know a third. <laughs> a third of that of that group of beers. Mm-hmm. So then you really just kind of get down into into it. And a lot of it is just tasting through with a sheet mm-hmm. and getting yourself to see, oh, that's what this kind of beer is. Mm-hmm. Um, but you mentioned earlier that um, these two these two beers used to be owned by the same company. Mm-hmm. But that is no longer true. The oh the Ashai, I'm gonna just call it Ashai conglomerate group was mm-hmm. started back in the eighteen in the late eighteen hundreds, um, and they started as the Osaka Brewing Company because they were founded in Osaka, Japan, and they've gone through a lot of buying, um, and actually, kind of a quite a bit of the buying was from the Anheuser Busch Group, the InBev Group. Mm-hmm. I mean, they bought a portion of Ting Sao from them. They've bought a portion. They've bought. Peroni, Rolsch. That's the green. That's, That's the, the other snap one. top. Yeah, with That's the, the skunky. With, with the Grolsch top. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, Grolsch, Pilsner, or Kale. So what year did you say? That it's that it, the group started? Mm-hmm. 1889. Now, the beer itself did not get brewed until later. Okay. This particular beer. The See, group started as the Osaka 1876. Beer. Right. And you said 1879? 1889. 89? Yeah. Not a whole lot of difference when you're thinking about it. Right. And, you know, the they started, this beer itself did not come out until 87. Right. They had been making other beers underneath it, but this super dry style did not come out until the late 80s. And this is actually ja- Japan's most popular beer. Yes, I noticed that. It's <laughs> it's it's the number one selling beer in in Japan. Um, the ones we get here in the states are I actually. I would say this would be a close second, though. The Sapporo, it's got to be. It, it's it's close, but here's the thing that I think why this one it's goes out like Bud Light Coors <laughs> <laughs> or Bud and Coors. Yeah. Like... But I think one of the reasons that this you know this yeah. is this is a a little bit maybe more more purchased in japan i th- i think it's the, the style that mm-hmm. super dry style goes with a lot of food so i saw you take a bite of that chicken earlier tell me how you did that because that's amazing um <laughs> so so it's got so this chicken um it's boneless skinless chicken thighs mm-hmm. it has honey oyster sauce um general sows teriyaki goji i think i put some goju jang in there mm-hmm. uh ginger and garlic mm-hmm. marinated it for a couple hours and then i just cooked it and cooked it up in a pan that was all i did to it i didn't have any suction wine mm-hmm. um but just kind of kind of give it up and i th- i think when i tried these beers i like i knew it's going to go well with something that's got a little bit of heat to it, it got a lot of mm-hmm. it's going to be able to take a lot of flavors because it is so dry mm-hmm. 
it it doesn't come uh, come across your palate as anything kind of sweet. Mm-hmm. It really just kind of wakens everything up and and plays real well. So, even with all those spices that you used on that chicken, there's still a lot of sweetness, or at least perceived sweetness. There's sweetness. Well, you said honey. That's definitely sweetness. And then this beer is dry. And so you take you take a bite out of it and then you take a sip of the beer and it's like where did the chicken go? It just kind of disappears. Yeah. The uh, and then it's like, well I still got some in my on my fingers. Right. And then you get another piece and it's like the same thing. And it's like, are we selling chicken or are we selling <laughs> beer? I think, I think to me, I just tried it while you were talking. To me, the marrying piece between the beer and the chicken is the raw ginger and raw garlic mm. that's in the marinade. That lemony, spicy, earthy, umami mm-hmm. kind of flavor goes in and plays well with the beer because the beer doesn't have a whole lot of that. Beer has a lot of those higher notes. You know, I'm going to go talk about music again. Beer has a lot of those higher notes. And the chicken adds a lot of those little medium. And then the way it's cooked with the, the extra little, like, almost burny charred that, bits. Yeah, add that I'd say that earthiness note. is those low notes. Add that earthy bottom note that really just kind of rounds out the cord of the beer itself. So currently, um, beer is the beer is now brewed in... Tokyo, okay, which is kind of you know, obviously the main, the main city of Japan. Um, they have really tried to keep moving forward with this, with this kind of dry style, and I think that mm-hmm. what they're trying to do is take out some of the, uh, take out some of that sake business, mm-hmm. because we've talked about how it's got a clean. It's crisp, it's dry, but it's got a there's stuff going on to complement other food flavors that they're trying to really just just mask in and keep it done really, really well. Mm-hmm. And I think that's why these are brewed because they have they have they own breweries in it, in Italy. I think that's why the American Italy, yeah, Pil, um, not Pilsner or Kale, Peroni. They own Peroni. Peroni. Okay. So I think since it's brewed in, it's brewed in Italy, for at least for us here in America, it's brewed in Italy, that it it keeps that freshness, it keeps that uh-huh. that dry, light quality to it. Mm-hmm. Now we keep saying dry, and so when we talk about dry with a wine, we'll say what. Residual sugar is there. Okay. There's got to be sugar left in this beer. But as a home brewer, what I remember was you've you've got that hydrometer that gives you the number before the, the brewing, before it makes the alcohol. And then you've got the after number and you take the difference between the two numbers. I forget the multiplier. I should have looked it up. I said that the other week. And then you multiply it out, and that tells you how much alcohol there is. But dryness in a beer 
means that those numbers have come so close to can't get to zero. It just can't because the yeast die. But it gets so you know it gets so close that that's what that super dry means, and it's squeezed every little bit of sugar out to make the alcohol. Now the word super confuses me because dry would mean the same thing in my mind. Super dry would mean I'm really so close to zero it's not even worth worrying about. Right. Well, and they don't really they don't really talk about that, but I think also the dryness is you know this the amount of sugar in rice as compared to the amount of sugar in wheat is significantly lower. Yeah. So when you're brewing it, you have the ability to get extra low. I guess that's true. That makes sense, John. You're using the you're, you're mostly using your malt at that point to give right. you the the convertible sugars. Mm-hmm. At that and so your a majority of your beer at that point is going to that dry, clean flavor. Mm-hmm. I perceive it when I drink these beers as it's not acidic because that's when we talk about a dry wine. We're talking about a lot of the acidity levels. Mm-hmm. I think we're talking about the lack of sugar, the lack of malt. Well, and that's the opposite of the star. Right. Sugar versus acidic. Right, but if you were to put this beer against a, let's say, a, a porter. Mm-hmm. Your bitterness may be the same. Mm-hmm. The kind of ability of the lack of if perceived sweetness could be the same. But your initial your beer itself will have more sugar. Right. Because you're because you're using darker malts, which mm-hmm. means more sugar. And I, like that's kinda how I that's kinda how I perceive it that makes when sense. I'm drinking it. This taco is legit. I ain't got it's it's absolutely delicious. So the carnitas taco, while Dad's eating it, I'm gonna I'm gonna talk about it. It's on a corn tortilla. I've got some queso fresco on it. I've got some shallots that I cooked down, kind of like I caramelized them. Or not shallots, um, leeks, leeks that I've uh, kind of caramelized, and then the carnitas is a pre-cooked buy from Trader Joe's. Mm-hmm. Um, I just reheated it and then shredded it and added some, like that same citrus herb uh, seasoning that I was talking about earlier with the pork belly. And then I fried up some leeks as well to put on top. Mm-hmm. And then it's on a, on a little street corn tortilla that I cooked in the fat from the pork belly when I seared it. And it is delicious. It goes like all those flavors kind of because that beer has that like high dryness, everything goes really well with it. That light, sweet fry of the, of the leek, the earthiness of the carnitas, the saltiness of that queso fresco. I I think it, I think it's really good. It's very good. Now, does it go with the beer? I bet it does. Definitely. You're talking about best on plate. Ooh. In your opinion, why does it go well together? Well, because because there's so many different flavors with this. I want to call it a street taco. 
<laughs> it's kind of like a street talk. Yeah. yeah. But it's not because you cooked it right here. But there's so many different flavors. This beer doesn't have to compete with it. You know, the beer is not trying to match flavor for flavor. It doesn't have to. Mm-hmm. All the beer has to do is help you soak it up, wash it down, keep that crispness of the beer itself, and plus there's no hops that would be fighting with it. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So, but if I picked off individual pieces <laughs> of the of the things you cooked on and put together, you know, I might find something to fight. But it's all melded together so well. Right. And I think, you know. My pork belly, cooking it in the pork belly fat. I mean. I mean, that's a southern thing. (laughs) That's a world thing, probably. But that was genius. You know. uh, Got that flavor and just melt, go through it. Right. You know, they, they talk about this beer. They try to do a lot of, like, northern, those really clean northern german beers mm-hmm. without a whole lot of malt i think they did that and i think because the flavors are so bright so they're not acidic but no they have that same kind of feeling of just bright and high and right there's not a whole lot of weight there's not a lot weighing this beer down i think that's why it goes well with so much food so many different kinds of food yeah and I think anything we have on the table, this bell, this beer would go really well with because food usually doesn't hit this this type of flavor profile that right. the beer is. So the beer is bringing something different ev- to every single thing that you're going to eat with it. There you go. That's that's another say, say what I try to say. This beer is somewhat amazing from the standpoint of you know I didn't. See- you know, you look at two different websites, which we both have. You know, one of them will tell you how many billions of Japanese yen it's worth or whatever. And then the other one doesn't. So you don't have that comparison. But it sounds like a 2.1 trillion Japanese yen. Well, and I can see that because the con- the conglomerate group. the Well, they sell soft drink. Yeah, they sell beer uh nikita whiskey is underneath oh, is this it? conglomerate group okay. pilsner or kale peroni the this this line of beers they do waters they do soft drinks they do see that's the one that amazes all sorts me of is stuff. the peroni yeah well they bought i think they bought peroni from the budweiser group okay and, you know it it surpassed it has surpassed um, Kieran. Kieran Ichiban. Ichiban. Okay. Yeah, Kieran Ichiban. That, that Kieran Ichiban used to be the the best selling beer in Japan. Yeah. But it this beer has has surpassed that. Ah, okay. I pour myself some <laughs> more for the mochis. And they got a product called Vodka Crusher, and it's a brightly colored vodka based alcoholic drink. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's purple. Uh, you know, whatever sells. It's only fifteen percent alcohol, but so what? Right. 
right, I'm, I'm going to have to get over here and get one of these. Uh, get one of the mochi? Mochi before they thaw out. Yeah, now, these what made you think of the mochi? It's a Asian dessert. Mm-hmm. Um, it's ch- peanut butter ice cream on the inside with the chocolate kind of rice covering uh, on the outside. Oh, my goodness. Mm. And you know me. I like dessert, so I thought I'd give it a try. Throw that in there, yeah. These are bought from Trader Joe's. They do tons of flavors of these. Mm-hmm. Mochi are extremely popular mm-hmm. as a dessert option for... You in Asia? Yeah. Well, they become more popular here in the United States. Okay. Wow. <laughs> what? I'm just going to... You got a three-sided coin or something? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's hard because the beer is... the. It's Like I said earlier... The beer has flavors that no food has. Right. And it does so well because it doesn't bog down any food you put with it. Being dry highlights. Highlights. Miller highlight. Now you're going to another beer? Highlights, not high life. <laughs> Maybe we should do beers that only come in pony pony bottles. It just highlight it highlights all that other stuff. And this is, you know, we talked about the carbonation kind of at the beginning, but these are more carbonated mm-hmm. than other beers. So you get a lot of that brightness from the CO2 as well, mm-hmm. which kind of makes it just go really, really well with everything. Mm-hmm. Well, Dad. Oh, no. <laughs> anything else you want to talk about before we head to Best on Plate? I'm going to have to go to every plate again. I'm really, I'm really happy with this beer. It was not... If you remember back from last week, this is not the beer that I initially said I was going to do. Hitachino is no longer distributed in Arkansas. I don't know. Which is very sad because those beers are, were, Mm -hmm. they are very, very good. Mm -hmm. But they're more craft style beers. Mm -hmm. And, but I'm really, I'm, I'm not disappointed with the beer that I got this week. I ended up getting this week. But I'm glad I grabbed this one over the Kirin Ichiman. But you know that they own 19.9% of Steam now? Uh-huh. They bought it from Budweiser. Yeah. They're the second largest. 667 million. <laughs> it's just, it's ridiculous. So I'm going to go ahead and head to Best on Plate. And we'll let you think about it. We're going to start with mine. Okay. We'll start with mine. I think the taco. I think that carnitas taco was my favorite thing that I ate with the beer. It yeah. had so many mm-hmm. it had so many flavors going on that worked well together already. Mm-hmm. And then you add the beer and it just lifts it and adds this mm-hmm. whole nother whole nother element to the taco that you didn't even think about. I even forgot the the lime I was going to squeeze on the taco. All right, let's start over. but i think the beer kind of did that it lifted it kind of gave it that that almost ethereal ethereal nature that taco was just waiting for you got some sapporo left i do have some there's also did you did you try the there's also an open can of sapporo yeah because you still got a blind don't worry i just want to take sapporo and that taco. taco So keep I talking, keep talking. so I think that was that was my favorite. I'll go ahead and do my best on plate for your stuff. 
while you're still trying things. I'm going to give you, give you as much grace as I can right now. I think my favorite pairing with the Sapporo was, oh man, this is tough because that ramen was so good. Hello? The ramen was so good. Mm. Um, I'm going to go with that mm-hmm. steam bun. I'm going to go with that red bean pork steam bun. The red bean paste and the pork flavor and that light pillowiness of the steam bun mm-hmm. just went so well with the beer. It just married together and you couldn't really tell where one started and where the other okay. where the other ended. Okay. It was just really, really good. Kind of lifted it to a new place. Now, that is to say, we have not had a bad pairing today. <laughs> no. So, all right. I've given you your time. Now it's your turn. So, with the Sapporo, I'm going to have to agree with you. With the Sapporo, I'm going to have to agree with you. That that steamed bun. Really? Did it. And not Wow, going away from the sushi game. Well, there's all kinds of sushi, okay? And we could have we could have had five or six different kinds of sushi and one of them would have been better. Okay. I'm not going to say that the, that I know which one. <laughs> but but you, that was but the whole here. thing about the sushi <laughs> boat going by. You just you're kept here trying. For that, you're here trying, for that research. <laughs> yeah. You're just doing the research. Oh, and my bill was like $68 or something. It which just, is cheap nowadays Well, for sushi. this is, Josh, this is back in the 80s. I know. So that would be like $120 right. in our money. Current day. Current and part day of it was out. the way the boat was made. Uh, anyway. Anyway. But I have to agree with you also that the ramen noodles and the broth were fantastic. Right. But I, like I said earlier, the pork belly, let's just forget the noodles and let's just go straight pork belly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Now for mine. For yours, I'm 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 struggling because the t- the street taco, yeah, and the chicken, those two had such fantastically different flavors. Right. You know, you look at the chicken, and I guess on Instagram they can see it, and it's just floating on this bed of rice. All you're seeing is is some marinated chicken, and you're going, eh, "What's the big deal?" Well, the big deal is all the different things you put with it. Right. The ginger, the honey, the everything. The taco. I tried the taco with the Sapporo, and it was good, but it was not as good. Yeah. With the The Sapporo as it is with your beer. Something about your beer, and maybe it was just that higher IBU or that, that different kind of bread taste or... Or what? It just seemed to make it better. Didn't need the rice, but I'm gonna go with the chicken. Okay. Because like I said, the chicken the chicken had so many different flavors, and you don't know it, and so you're going. I'm just gonna take a bite of this chicken. It's like, whoa, wait a minute, whoa, what's in there? Oh man, <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's some honey. Okay, I gotta take another bite. Ooh, there's some ginger. Hmm, what else is in there? Oh, jujang sauce. Right. Oh, uh, vegetarian oyster sauce. Oh, not right. that I can taste all those. <laughs> yeah. but they're all melded together. And so 
It just made that explosion of flavors that you did not expect. Right. And see, a lot of times that's what I like on Best on Plate. Okay. Is the surprise. Yeah. Now I'm going to have one of these over here. <laughs> another, <laughs> another little mochi because they are. Another little mochi because they're, they're, they're looking sad and they're they, about to melt. They are. They're very delicious. All right. Well, we are up to the point of the blind, so I will go ahead and get that poured up. All right. Get it poured up. All right, Dad. Go for it. So this beer, you just poured it. Very little head. Uh, it's, you always like to say how the wine's clean. This looks like it's unfiltered because you, you can't really see through it, but it's a, a light tan color. So from that, we're going to, we can start Xing things out, but we won't go there yet. Okay. We could easily do that, but I'm. I'm smell. I'm trying to smell it. Well, I am smelling it, but I'm trying to smell what's in it. I don't get any nuttiness to it, and if I get, if I get floral, it's like in the background. It's like desiccated flowers. It's like a light lemongrass or something like that. Okay. Um, it's not. You know, it doesn't seem. It's it's not that cold. To say that it doesn't have that smell, but it probably needs to warm up a little bit. So I'm giving it a little swirl to warm it up. And that beautiful head came back. I like that. So it, it, uh. When you talked about the flowers, what did you say besides desiccated? I said maybe, um. I don't know that I said a flower. I said okay. lemongrass. Okay. But if I was to say a flower, I might have said jasmine. Does it smell like citrusy or anything to you? Um, it's hard. There may be some citrus. Okay. Why don't you go ahead and taste it? I'm going to have to. First thing I'm going to do is find the water. Kind of help clean my palate out a little bit. Yeah, we had a lot of big foods today big flavored <laughs> a lot of a lot of flavor in the foods today Ooh. oh this is a curveball okay feels like tastes like curveball okay so you asked if i smelled citrus and the answer was no but when i taste it i get citrus okay let me uh, taste again and see if it's lemon or lime or uh, grapefruit or what. Also be thinking about your hops here during this taste. So, I think it's orange peel. Okay. But, uh, and as far as hops. Is there a whole lot? I don't think so. Okay. Is it grain driven mm-hmm. or is it hop driven? Hmm. Well, it, which is it? It's a uh, green driven. Okay. And it's uh, quite citrusy. So, is it... So, you know, a Pilsner really... Is, Pilsners are just, like, clean. So, I don't think it's a Pilsner. Okay. 
and I'd say it's not an Indian pale ale. Well, obviously, because you said it's grain because driven. Because I said it's grain driven. And that dexes out pale ale. And color wise, you know, your stout. And I said a curveball. Right. You curved me one time on a, on a white stout. But, but that I don't think this tasted is, like a stout. Yeah, this does not taste like a stout. So let's X out stout. Let's let's uh, talk about wheat. Okay, wheat beers. Let's talk about a citrusy wheat beer now. Hmm. Can you show me the can in a minute? Nope. <laughs> sure can't. So you're saying that it's going to be some sort of wheat beer? Okay. Now. Is it just a regular wheat beer? Is it more of a European Belgian style where it's a little bit heavier and filtered? Is it clean? Is it crisp? Is it where where are we where are we headed? So when you when you say Belgium, yep. I don't you know, it's like what do you what do you mean when you say Belgium? There's all kinds of Belgian beers. So it's not a straight wheat beer. Not a wit. It's not a wit. Okay. It's not. But there's there's these there's these heavy citrus notes, and 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 I don't think it's from the hops. Okay. You think it's actually brewed with some citrus? I think it's brewed with the the citrus. Okay. And I said orange peel. Yep. Let me check that. <laughs> I don't think you need to check that one anymore. Um, hmm. All right. Let's so, land. Let's start landing the plane. Landing the plane. <laughs> Put the wheels down. Let's got to get those wheels down. Um. So you're in the wheat category. I'm in the wheat category. I'm in the unfiltered category. Okay. Unfiltered wheats. Well, that's what I'm thinking. I, I would, don't. I would tend to agree with you based on the lack of clarity in the beer. If you look at this one oh, yeah. versus the ones we had right. today, right? You can definitely say that this beer is most likely unfiltered, right? Hmm. Which further do I need to go here? Well, are you going to say it's an American wit, American wheat, more Ooh. along the lines of Boulevard wheat, or is it more along the lines of Ogarden? Ooh, wheat. Bogart? Boulevard. Boulevard. Is it more American style, like Boulevard, mm-hmm. or is it more along the lines of a Hogarden? That's a good question. And then, if you want to go down a brewery, you can. Is this a trick question? Hogard. <laughs> it. I would say it's closer to a Hogard wheat than it is an American. Okay. So you're Fair saying that what's what you have IPA, said no. is that it's a European wit beer. I'm going to have to say that. Because okay. that's really, it's really, it could be anything else, Josh. <laughs> it doesn't have, so I keep thinking, is it a sour? No. And the answer is <laughs> no. I don't get any sourness. I get the citrus. So we're going to say it's a European style wit beer. That's my answer. All right. Well, you'll have to come back next week and find out 
how dad did on his blind for this week. And he called it a European wit beer. Next week, we're, it is a liquor week. And we're not really doing a theme this this coming week. We're just kind of just doing some liquors. Well, so, okay. What liquor are you going to be doing this week, Dad? I, we promised the listeners that we were going to do Uzo because I had lots of Uzo stories and I went out and bought some Uzo and it's sitting over there and it hadn't been opened. Man, and so, damn. you know, Uzo is not something you just say, oh, I'm going to open some Uzo today. Uh, there are people that say that all the time. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but I know some stories about some people that did it all the time. All right. But so the answer is, Josh, I'm doing Uzo. Okay. And that's from Greece. So, Dad is going to be doing some Uzo, and I'm going to be doing the Boulard VSOP Calvados. Oh, that'll be fun. Yeah, I got to talk about the, the the liquor that I blinded Marie and Dave on. Okay, that'd so, be fun. It'll be lots of fun. I'm going to be doing Calvados, and Dad is going to be doing some Uzo. What was it they kept saying? Applejack. Yeah. Just kept calling it apple, applejack, apple whiskey. Smell that apple? <laughs> it's like, yeah, 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 I smell that apple. supposed to smell apple. Is that a Jim Beam apple? <laughs> applejack? <laughs> but anyway, this was another really good episode, Dad. I think uh, we well, surprised ourselves with this one. I'm stuffed, but I want to eat some more of this good <laughs> food and drink. We got a little beer left. We might have oh, to drink yeah. that. There's, there's, some, there's plenty left to go around. But, you know, we did all that... Uh, Dry January, dry February. I'm going to chime in on that. I'm going to do dry February 29th, 30th, and 31st. <laughs> the three day, the three day February challenge. Yeah. <laughs> well, we this has been a really good episode, Dad. I'm glad uh, we kind of got into this, and um, I know I know I definitely surprised myself with uh, with these beers, and uh, we really appreciate you guys riding along with us. Remember. Give us a like, follow, share, subscribe, whatever your favorite podcast platform does. We'd love to have some ratings from you guys. Give us stars. Let us, give us a shout out. Let us know what you like. Let us know what you don't like. And maybe we can go ahead and fix that for you. Remember, we are on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok at Acquired Tastings. And if you want to reach out to us by email, we are acquiredtastings at gmail.com. Well, another great episode, Dad. That's right. Yeah. So looking forward to next week. So once again, I'm Josh Mills. And I'm John Mills. And we'll see you next time. Thank you. And goodbye.